Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. From the home of the Bet Bites podcast, this is Bet Bites Golf with Dave Tyndall and James Butler. Hello, everybody. Welcome along. It's another edition of the Golf Betting Podcast. It's a golf betting podcast without any golf, but we do. We have 2021 to look ahead to. I'm James Butler, and I'm joined today by not just one gargantuan golfing brain, but two because we have Benjamin Coley on the line. I'm going to introduce you first, Ben, because you are the guest. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, excited to talk. Golf is non-stop, isn't it? I just thought I was on holiday and Dave sent me a message. Um, so, um, But no, looking forward to it. It's um, anti-post golf punting. You know, it provides opportunities, doesn't it? You know, Bryson DeChambeau went off 8-1 to one for the Masters. You'd have had 33-1 to one, uh, a year in advance. Obviously, both losing bets, but hopefully we can do a bit better. <laughs> well, it's really good to have you with us today. And uh, joined, as always, by the uh, legendary golf betting pundit, as I always introduce him, Dave Tyndall. Dave, how are you? Yes, very well, James. Uh, thank you. Yeah, I thought it was... A no lose request when I said to Ben, Do you fancy coming on a podcast? Because he's, he's very good. He, he can't stop talking about golf. So I thought we'd tap into that and get him on board. Well, not being able to stop talking about golf is quite useful when we have four majors of 2021 to look forward to. We're going to do this in two parts, listeners. In the first part, this one, we're going to look ahead to the Masters and the USPGA next year. And then you'll have to turn over the record or whatever the current phraseology would be for the US Open. 2021 and the Open Championship. But let's get into this. Let's get into the Masters. We've only just had one and it's coming around quickly again. It's back with us in April 2021. We saw last year, not that long ago, Dustin Johnson was the uh, Masters champion, the first player to score 20 under par for a winning score. Delayed from April to November, he will be defending his title in Augusta. It's come around quickly, Ben, hasn't it? It's uh, one that we always look forward to. When Dave and myself did the preview for the Masters, we described it as our favourite. Would that be the same for you? 
Yeah, it would. Yeah. Um, I probably for one week a year, I kid myself that it isn't when I'm at the open championship <laughs> and, um, you know, Paul Rush in particular was, was my favorite open for a number of reasons. Um, but yeah, I, I think the masters would, if you give me a choice in the deep depths of winter, um, you can have a major next week. What will it be? I would choose the masters and obviously, uh, somehow that actually happened this year, but yeah, it's, it, it's great. And I guess part of the challenge for April will be, um, how much you consider November's masters to be relevant, uh, for one thing, uh, and also whether the, the specter of Dustin Johnson is deemed a problem because, you know, if he turns up in the form he was in in November, then he will uh, have a great chance to defy the, the curse, if you like. It, it tends to be an event where the defending champions want to swerve, but Dustin Johnson's uh, not like most defending champions. So, yeah, he deserves his position at the top of the market, that's for sure. Dave Tyndall, it's not been that long since we did our preview for the last one. It was a slightly different viewing experience, wasn't it, in uh, 2020, as most things have been, um, it has to be said, because of COVID-19. But we'll see the flowers back in April, and it'll be uh, the Masters as we know it, hopefully with a more normal 2021 hopefully just around the corner it's one to look forward to it always is how do you see this one going we're going to basically as we go through this one ben and dave are going to put up two picks for each of these competitions tell you what dave before i get you to speak i'll tell you the top of the market as the bookies have it at the moment 15 to 2 for the defending champion dustin johnson rory McElroy is the second favorite around about 10 to 1 bryson DeChambeau, 11 to 1 so is john rahm so is justin thomas and brooks kepka is there at 40 teens are any of those in your kind of thinking are we looking elsewhere Dave Tindall yeah it's trying to work out the kind of levels of recency bias and because mm. we've just seen one therefore will we get the same cast list coming through in April because of the gap is what four months and it's very easy to think well they've only just played well there but I absolutely loved the Masters this year but I didn't quite love it as much as an April Masters for some of the reasons you might have said, the, the kind of conditions, the way it looked, but probably more as a as a pure golfing punter. The conditions, I just thought it was too easy. I didn't like to see 20 under winning the tournament. I thought maybe there were some players who maybe did well or did better than they might have done in a fast-running April Masters. So I'm having to sort of train myself away from what's just happened because I, I, I'm not sure that will just play out again. So I don't think you're going to get a load of new players maybe thriving as, as well as they did in November. The very interesting one is Dustin Johnson, because I was trying to think of this. I mean, he won his first major in 2016. Now he's won another one. Is it the case that the floodgates now open? And I was trying to think, who else has had that pattern? And the only one I could think of, he won one and then won another four years later, was John Daly. And that's probably like the worst... <laughs> comparison you could ever come up with a complete sort of freak of nature who had these two thunderbolt moments and did very little else where DJs are number one and wins all the time so but I don't know I don't know I'm just trying to think of others like Tiger wins in 1997 then he wins another major okay maybe he didn't win one the next year but 1999 then kicks on Phil Mickelson when he he had to wait for his first a long time 2004 then he wins one the next year then he wins one the next year I don't know quite whether I'm getting too obsessed by number patterns whether DJ will just now kick on or well, can, can I ask will you, it be when, more when, when DJ won his first four years ago was there the same kind of thought process then that this might be opening the floodgates at that stage because obviously they didn't open then I'm going to say yes but I'm sure Ben will back that up yeah, I, I would have thought he'd win another by now, but I do think it just it just serves as a reminder. I guess in 2016, you know, we were still learning about Justin Thomas. I know Jordan Spieth and Jason Day were at the top of the sport, but I think it's fair to say as every year has passed, more and more potential major champions have come to the fore. And I think that was why you'd have been worried that DJ had missed his chance, really, not to capitalise on that win at Oakmont. 
I don't think the floodgates will open um, because I don't think that's really possible anymore. But I don't think he's finished winning majors. You know, I, I think we'd all expect him to pick up another couple along the way. Whether his focus now is the PGA Championship and the Open Championship to move towards the Grand Slam, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be taking that too seriously. But yeah, it, it, they're just so hard to win, I guess. That's my, I know that's a very obvious thing for me to come on and say, but they're so hard to win these days that however easy he made it look, he could play to a very similar level and Justin Thomas plays a little bit better and, and he finishes second. So I think that applies to all the market leaders, I guess. But with where DJ's concerned, no, no I don't think he's about to win five of the next seven, but clearly he, he should be the favourite. Well, Ben, the, the kind of premise behind this podcast is that I'm a cricket journalist broadcaster and with a passing interest in golf, Dave's the expert. I've got two experts with me today. Day. But when we previewed the Masters, it was the one tournament we said where the leaderboard was the kind of expected people. You know, some of the other majors, you get people that are slightly longer odds. Are we are we thinking that way for 2021, that it's going to be one of the, the top end of the market to win it? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, the bottom line is DJ won, right? He was second favourite. I think a lot of people would have argued he should have been favourite. Um, there was no surprise to that. I think what it did show is whether it was November, and I think we should uh, lend weight to this theory, you know, no crowds. You've got people like C.T. Pan, Abraham Anser, Dylan Fratelli, you know, guys that you wouldn't necessarily have expected for all their quality to be in the mix in a normal Masters. Now, they're not they're not the first surprise names to be involved in the Masters. Jonas Blix was a 300 to 1 chance when he finished in the top five. And I think he finished tied second, actually, on his debut. But I think there were more surprise names in November under different conditions. I think going back to April with a, a Masters experience as, as we would expect it to be, and I'm, I'm hoping we get some crowds. I don't think any of us can be sure of that. But even if it's a smaller crowd, it it will make a difference. So yeah, I think the Masters champion will be. I, ultimately, if you if you show people who won the November Masters, it's just like an April Masters. Someone with loads of Augusta experience and of, of the absolute top of the game. Another top player. Um, so yeah, one of them will win it, I'm sure. And that will certainly be reflected in my selections, even at this stage. I'm interested in something you just said there, Ben, that the, you know, obviously it's the kind of the crowds add to the intensity, add to the pressure, add to the, you know, the, the good players coming to the top. But some of these guys, I mean, Sunglai Im, who was, uh, was he second last time around at the Masters in November? He, he's got a four rounds under his belt there without that pressure, but will he, therefore, some of those players be more ready when the crowds come back in? You'd like to hope so. I think certainly if you were making your debut, um, then then to do so without crowds is quite a nice little pipe yeah. opener, isn't it? And and to to know that you're coming back in April, I think took some pressure off some players as well. You know, you've got another chance just around the corner. So that it, I, I could view any debut performance preferably, definitely, um, and certainly where Sung Jae is concerned, I would. But generally speaking, I, it, it's just going to be a very different challenge, even if there aren't any crowds, you know. And and maybe you could you could argue the opposite, couldn't you? You could argue that these guys who had their debut in November haven't really had their debut. They've not had to do it in front of patrons. They've not had the par three contests, you know, all those things. So you know, may, maybe all of a sudden they'll they'll get back there in April and think, oh yeah, I've done this before. And hold on a minute, this is this is a whole new thing entirely. And I think if we rewind back to the summer, you had people like Jordan Spieth and Rory McIlroy saying, you might see some first-time major champions or some surprise winners um, or some younger contenders with the absence of crowds. And the very first one, the USPGA, was notable for that. Champ, Scheffler, Morikawa, you know, a lot of young guys up there. I know they're just really good, but I think they did benefit to some extent. And I think players like Sung Jae In will have benefited to some extent. And I'll just throw one more thing in. For Sung Jae, uh, the media, you know, the, the, the Korean media presence was so much smaller than it would have been. And I think that that's another thing that changes in April that does... Um, yeah, it, it brings it back to a proper Masters and a, and a real test and that's not to undermine what DJ did, of course. Yeah, they've had their dress rehearsal without the audience in and now you know, they're going to have to do it with the, the roar of the crowd. We're going to do two picks for each of you. There's no guarantee. I don't know if you've conferred whether you've got the same picks or not, but let's start with you, Ben. Your first pick for the Masters 2021. 
Yeah, so I'll start with the biggest price of my two because I think he's the best value and it's it's Harris English. You can get 100 to 1. He's 80 to 1 generally. I, I can sort of see people turning their noses up at this, but he's, he's in the top 30 of the world now. It's, he's been clearly the most improved player on the planet the last year. Data Golf, who are brilliant, brilliant um, analysts uh, based in the States, they have him the eighth best player in the world. Now, the eighth best player in the world at Augusta should be going off about 25 to 1. As we stand now, um, at the end of the year, he just, just actually won a trophy at long last with Matt Kuchar in the, um, whatever they call it, the Franklin Templeton shootout, as it used to be a QBE shootout. Um, I'm not going to argue that's particularly significant, but what is significant is that he's been one of the best players in the world for basically since the restart, and he'd shown signs before it as well. So, um, yeah, I think 100 to 1 massively underestimates his chance if they were playing it tomorrow. But what I think it also um, underestimates is the likelihood that he wins in the next three or four months. And it's only going to take that. I think there are still some people who are a little bit dubious. And, oh, Harris English, yeah, just turning up and finishing eighth, not winning. You know, people do tend to look at golfers in that sort of ruthless way. I think one win changes the perception massively of Harris English. And in January alone, he plays two of his favorite courses on tour. So I don't want to get too wrapped up in trying to predict how he'll play in the run up to Augusta. But I think there's a very good chance he goes off closer to 40 to 50 to 1. The negative is he's got form figures of miscut and 42nd at the course, but there have been enough winners over the last decade or so. Patrick Reed, Danny Willett would be the two most recent who were defying poor Augusta records. And I think those old trends are a good starting point, but they're not everything. And above all else, 100 to 1, the eighth best player on the planet by some verdict um, is is too good to ignore. Dave Tyndall, your first pick for the Masters 2021. Yeah, well, one of the problems of doing this now is weighing up the relative merits of the price against the each-way turn because we know when it comes around to the Masters, we're going to get eight, nine, ten each-way places. At the moment, we've got five and six. So it's almost like you could put up someone at a fancy price now and, yeah, they'll probably get shorter, but can they get in? You know, will you get paid out on the each-way turn they are now? So they could finish ninth, which is great if you back them in the week of the Masters. That's no good to you if you're backing them now. So I, I wanted to pick someone... So in theory, their price could drop quite heavily. And also, they are very capable of getting in the top five or six now because that's the each-way terms we have to deal with right now. So this is speculative because I'm absolutely relying on something changing in his game. But I'm going to go for Ricky Fowler, who's best price 70 to 1. He's also 66 to 1, fairly general. I'm very much looking back at Augusta April form. And his is really quite excellent, to be honest, over the last five or six years. I mean, he started off well. He was 38, 27, 38, the first three. So nice sort of grounding there, getting his foot in the door. Then he was fifth, 12th, miscut, 11th, second, ninth. So between 2014 and 2019, in those six Masters, he was outside the top 12 just once. And he's got a fifth and a second in there. Ninth, 2019. Even this year when he's kind of fallen off a cliff in terms of form, he was 29th, which shows he can kind of just play it from memory and and get by. Obviously, there's a big element we need to see Ricky Fowler improving on what he's done, and I don't know what that's going to take. But we've got a few months for that to bed in, any, any new stuff he works out. You still think at his best, he can more than get a top five. There was that year, wasn't there, 2014, where he was top five in every major. Top five in two majors in 2017, run up 2018, ninth and sixth in 2019. He was just a very good major player. Now, obviously with him, he's not won one yet, but if we're talking each way value at 70 and 66s, I think he represents that. And I just think he's one of those not on the radar from what we've just seen. So he's kind of, people are forgetting about him a bit. But I think, as Ben said, 
with Harris English. One big win. I mean, Ricky Fowler plays really well in Phoenix, for example. One big win between now and April, and that price will absolutely crash. So, yeah, that's my kind of a bit of a stab in the dark and some hope involved, but that's what you do with anti-post betting, I guess. Well, it's, it's completely different vibe, this, isn't it, to what we usually do, because we usually wait until as late as we can on a Wednesday to get the very latest information, the very latest <laughs> prices and stuff, and we couldn't be further away, really, from the 2021 season. But Harris English already in the uh, on the list. Ricky Fowler in there as well, 100-1 to 1 and 70-1. to 1. Ben, what's your second pick for the Masters? Yeah, I just echo what Dave says. It, it, you know, we're, we're this far out. There's, you know, 7.5 to 1 DJ and 10 to 1 Bryson and stuff. And, you know, are there going to be drastically different prices come the week when we can really assess what position they're in? Probably not. One who maybe has the potential, and I, I say it tentatively because I, I don't think he's a you know, he's not twice the price I expect him to go off, but I think you might just beat the market with him. And he's a definite potential Masters winner is Sung Jm Now, it goes against what I said about the November Masters. Generally, I, I don't think it'll be that worthwhile a pointer. But there's always scope for someone to defy the logic. And I think Sung Jae-im could be that player. If you think about those players, certainly in recent times, who, who've rocked up at Augusta and finished second on debut, then the one who springs to mind is Jordan Spieth. He came back the next year and, and they never got a look at him. You know, he won that tournament really halfway. He looked like he was going to win and, and there was never a moment's doubt. Whether Song Jae can produce something quite like that, I don't know. But he's certainly good enough. I think he's a, a major champion in waiting. We, we saw how good he was at the President's Cup. And the way he played in November, he really demonstrated that he can get to grips with what you need to do on and around the greens. And I know they were softer, but they were still fast. And they were still Augusta greens. Um, it was more that you could land your irons where you pitch them that was different about the challenge. I actually think an April Masters will better suit him. If you think about where he won the Honda Classic in, I think it was five under par. And the way he played at the President's Cup on a firm and fast Royal Melbourne, which he'd never seen before. I think he's absolutely made for an Augusta uh, in April. Um, and yeah, 40 to 1 right now, the runner up from November. And I think he does have potential to, you know, he plays every week for one thing. So there's got to be half a chance that he wins in the in the next 20 starts he'll manage between uh, now and April. Um, but also he's just fundamentally a, a brilliant world-class player who could be um, every bit as good as just about anyone in the tournament. So I do like him. I just mentioned Chen Sung Pan as well. Um, he was seventh in November. It came out of the blue, but you can have 250 to one about a very talented player who, okay, doesn't hit the ball very far, but you could argue that an April Masters will better suit him as well. But I'll, I'll stick with Sung a much more realistic uh, prospect and you can have 40 to 1 generally. He's golf's equivalent of a workaholic, isn't he? He never takes a week off, uh, Sanjay Im. He goes in there at 40 to 1. Dave Tyndall, to round off our Masters preview of 2021, then some months away, what's your second tip? Yeah, I, I did look at Tommy Fleetwood because I'm thinking of players who haven't quite had the, the year they wanted. Certainly that's the case with Ricky Fowler. But uh, Tommy Fleetwood on, on Twitter um, just after the uh, DP World Tour Championship came on and was a little bit wistful and reflective and, and kind of knew that he hadn't had a good year. So it's often, you know, this is back to Keith Elliott's comeback trail. Someone who is a class player who's not had the year they wanted will probably work that much harder to, to get to turn it around a little bit. So he's 50 to 1. I'm tempted by that. But I'm going to put a, a player double that price. No sniggering at the back, but it's going to be Lee Westwood at 100 to 1. I mean, he's, he's, he's just been crowned Europe's number one golfer. So you add that into his Augusta record, which is like fantastic. He's got, well, if I start his Augusta record from 2010, second, 11th, 3rd, 8th, 7th, 46th, 2nd, 18th. So that was between 2010 and 2017. You could argue that he was maybe at his peak in some of those years, more so than he is now. But I mean, 
you counter that with the fact that he's just been crowned European number one. I did have a slight feeling that uh, maybe I was getting too sort of wobbly and romantic about it, but Darren Clark won the Open at Royal St. George's, which is the host venue again this year, and we'll come on to that in, a, in another podcast. I thought, oh, wouldn't it be lovely if Lee Westwood did the same thing, waited all that time and finally gets it done? But Westwood's record at Royal St. George's is horrible. In fact, his Open record in England is fairly terrible. All his good performances come in, in Scotland or this time in, in Northern Ireland. So I couldn't put him up for that because he's had a few goes at it and just done nothing. And plus, it seems to be a, an England-wide thing for whatever reason. I don't know. So I thought, well, why not go to the Masters, a tournament that's clearly easier to win because you've got less players in the field and clearly he's got a fantastic record, early Westwood. I don't really know if I'm slightly, well, Will the 100 to 1 still be there? If he just sort of muddles through till April, it probably still will be there, to be honest, because people are thinking he's knocking on a bit. And, and of course, in April, you'll get 10 each way places where you've got just five or six now. But one of those ones, I'd like to get a bet down now at 100 to 1 and then maybe go in again at 66, 70, 70 if he's doing okay and take the bigger each way odds. But certainly, as I said, look, at he's got a second, a third, a second um, at the Masters in the last seven or eight goes. Played it for the first time this year after a couple of years gap just as Bernard Langer shows if you're a veteran with with lots of master's skills know all the nooks and crannies you can still perform and as Lee Westwood's shown there's plenty of life in the old dog yet so I just thought hundreds was a bit crazy for Europe's number one who's got a brilliant master's record already there we go then the masters 2021 Ben's going for Harris English 100 to 1 and Sunjay Im 40 to 1 Dave Tyndall is going for Ricky Fowler 70 to 1 and Lee Westwood, 100 to 1. Let's move on then to the USPGA. May 2021, Kiowa Island, the former Ryder Cup venue in South Carolina, also staged this event back in 2012. The defending champion is my mate, Colin Murakawa. My moment of glory from the year 2020 was picking him to win the USPGA. Um, will he win it again? At the top end of the market, Dustin Johnson is 11 to 1. Rory McIlroy, 12s, as is John Rahm, 16 to one for Brooks Kopka and uh, Bryson DeChambeau and also Justin Thomas Xander Schaffle is 20s and the rest are bigger let's start with you Ben for this uh, USPGA where are you going to take me for this one who, who do you fancy I think one of the interesting things I mean chiefly in, in 2012 when they played here it was really soft and conditions will determine how exactly it plays there was one I think the second round it was really really hard I think Rory shot 75 in round two and still won by eight you know all of the talk beforehand was that it would be a bomber's paradise but when you look at the leaderboard although Rory won it. You had David Lynn in second, Carl Peterson third, Blake Adams seventh. Loads of shorter hitters. So I think this is quite open. One of the things that struck me was how strong the ties were to the Carolinas. Rory, a multiple winner at Quail Hollow. David Lynn's sole PGA Tour win was there the year after. And Carl Peterson, who's lived in North Carolina for a long time, I think two of his five career wins have come in, in the Carolinas. So that all leads to Dustin Johnson. Um, and I do think he's a very fair price at 11 to 1. You know, he'll be chasing the third leg of his career slam. I can see it. And I think if you're having a win only bet, it would be him. Um, but one who stood out at a slightly bigger price um, is Siwoo Kim. I say slightly bigger. He's 200 to 1 in a place. Um, a he's bigger. shown some really good foot. Yeah, just, just a bit. I thought I'd give you something to work with with the place part. His form has been really solid since he's gone to work with Claude Harmon. He does still have the odd shocker, but that's him. He's a hugely talented player and he seems to be fit now. He's played a lot of golf in 2020. So I think it's onwards and upwards for him. And I think a, a third PGA Tour win is coming. He's already won the Players' Championship, so he can defy the odds, let's put it that way. The interesting things 
Firstly, he was 13th in the US PGA just gone, also third at the Wyndham, which is in North Carolina. Uh, he's been 11th at the Travelers on a Pete Dye design. He's won the Players' Championship, another Pete Dye design. He's been 20th at Crooked Stick, another Pete Dye design. This looks like a good course for him. Um, he should have won the Heritage in South Carolina. So he's got loads of local form, loads of course designer form, some sneaky major form, and he's back close to his best. Big time youngster, 200 to 1. I thought he was the most interesting name um, at big prices anyway. Siwoo Kim then goes on to the list. 200 to 1, Dave Tindall. Yeah, I'm going to go with a player who's in the top 10 in the world and who yet is 50 to 1. That's Tyrrell Hatton. He just seems to be like ahead of the game in, in terms of some of the Europeans. He's already got that big win on the European Tour, winning at Bay Hill, and he's won at Wentworth, which was a, a childhood dream. So for all the kind of mutterings and internal dialogue we see with him and he seems like the sort of angriest man in the world sometimes and every little awkward bounce he doesn't like but he just wins so it's all noise all that kind of oh happen can get a bit in his head and and get it all too much and get frustrated forget that what matters is his results and he can he can win these big events so I thought Kiwa Island would be quite a good venue for him if you look at Ben went through some of the names if you look at that USPGA held there 2012 seven of the top 10 7 of the top 10 were Europeans and not even the most elite ones as well Ben mentioned David Lee and Carl Pettersson you had um, okay Rosen Poulter Donaldson and Han- Peter Hansen they played Ryder Cup but you know so Hatton. They're, they're not absolute major winners a lot of those guys so I, for whatever reason it, it, it suited them and when you think about Tyrrell Hatton where he's won won the Alfred Dunhill Championship so he's in Scotland so he's he's won by the coast before also Ben mentioned the Carolinas link well Hatton was a third in the Heritage earlier this year so um, again another coastal event I just think for the world number 10 who, who's, who's not got there in a kind of Tony Finau way by accumulating good results here and there he can actually win these big events Tyrrell Hatton I just think 50 to 1 is underestimating him a little bit he will win a major at some point soon, I think. And I thought this would be a good venue for him. Ben, you've gone for Siwoo Kim at 200 to 1. Are we going to go bigger for your second choice? Or are we going a bit shorter? No, uh, there aren't many bigger, if you look at the empty <laughs> post market, to be honest. Um, touching on many of the things Dave just pointed out, I, I do like Victor Hovland here. I think 50 to 1 for a guy who's won twice in 2020. Uh, he had to miss the Masters, of course, because of the qualification criteria and how the cards fell for him. The fact his win was in Puerto Rico, didn't qualify him for the tournament. I think he's of interest in all four majors just to be honest with you. Now that his short game has clearly improved working with Pete Cowan, you look at, he's played four majors, two as an amateur, two as a pro, never worse than 33rd. I mean, you could argue the way Matt Wolf and Colin Morikara have gone about it. He's been a bit quiet, but um, that, under any other measure, that's a brilliant start to life in major championships. A couple of Scandinavians in the top 10 um, here in 2012. The interesting, I suppose, added uh, element is the the, the grass, uh, which might bore you to tears, but it's Seashore, Paspal and the Greens here. Um, they were relayed ahead of the 2012 USPGA. Well, Hovland won twice now Mexico Seashore Paspalum and, and Puerto Rico Seashore Paspalum so his wins in those events are probably more to do with the, the company and the fact he was playing well um, but the fact that he's going to be comfortable on these greens is, is at least a, a, a small positive and above all else 50 to 1 about one of the best young players on the planet he could be going off 20 to 1 for majors in the not too distant future it could even happen this year so I'm more than happy to take that and of, of the four majors obviously I could put him up for all four I really could but of the four I thought the USPGA was probably the nicest introduction and obviously one of his college sparring partners was Colin Morikawa on different teams um, and to succeed him as champion
Union, yeah, that, that fits. I can see it happening. Like it. Victor Hovland goes on to the list. We've got one space left, Dave Tyndall, for the US PGA picks for 2021. Yeah, in the spirit of trying to find an absolute huge price like Ben has already, I'm going to have a go on... Well, I think I've been certainly been influenced by all these Europeans, the top 10 there last time. So I'm going to go for Robert McIntyre, a massive 250 to 1. Yeah, he's not done an awful lot yet in his career in terms of maybe to an American audience but we've seen him finish sixth in the Open Championship at Royal Port Russia he's taken on the best um, in a major obviously that was by the coast second in the British Masters when it was at Hillside another uh, links um, by the coast he ended the year um, really well he, he got his win under his belt in Cyprus followed that up with six at the Alfred Dunhill Championship then played Decently, if not quite the best in Dubai, although he could have done a lot better in the DP World Tour Championship. Just had a, a poor final round 77 when I think me and you were both on him, Ben, so, and quite a few people were. So he looked good for some each-way cash at least there, maybe even the win at one point, but didn't quite get it done. But they interviewed him there and he, he's done all those things you kind of want to hear that a, a young up-and-coming golfer might want to be doing. He's looking for improvements. He's changed his diet. He just seems more committed to everything. In a major where some Europeans can sneak through, especially at that venue, Kiwa Island, I think he could do something there. And obviously, 250 to 1, it's there for a reason. But he's certainly a player on the upgrade. And you know, hopefully, we'll look at all the, the Brits who did well there last time and think maybe that's a course that could suit my style of play. So it's a bit of a, a, a bit of a dart, isn't it? But you know, 250 to 1. You know, it'd be one to brag about if he can break that top <laughs> five or six. And, and you, you don't like doing that at all, do you? US PGA then. Um, Siwoo Kim, Ben's pick 200 to 1. Ben's also going for Victor Hovland at 50s. And Dave Tyndall with Tyrrell Hatton at 50 to 1. And also uh, Robert McIntyre, a gargantuan at 250 to 1. It'd be wrong of me after my uh, pick in the uh, US PGA last time. Not to mention Colin Morikawa. He's 25 to 1. Good luck, Colin, for, uh, in the defence of your title. We finish part one of our look ahead to the majors of 2021. Dave Tyndall and Ben Coley, for now, thank you very much. Always gamble responsibly, as always on the uh, Golf Betting Podcast. We say that at the end. And now it's time. This is side one. Flip it over to side two, and we'll be back in part two with our previews of the US Open and the Open Championship next year. This is a sports betting media production. Please gamble responsibly. Visit begambleaware.org for all the information. Follow us at BetBytes on Twitter and don't forget we release a brand new multi-sport BetBytes podcast every Thursday. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.